There we go. All right, let's pray real quick, okay? Father, I, uh, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for our family here, God. I pray that you'll bless this time. I pray that you'll take over. Father, I pray that I'll be your mouthpiece, that I'll speak your words tonight, that I won't speak my words. God, that I'll speak the truth tonight in love. And God, I pray that you have your will right now in this place, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I got to tell you guys a story, but first I want to intro it. What's that? Oh, I thought somebody yelled or something yelled at me. I was got a little nervous. It's probably the bang. If I spaz out, it's definitely from the bang. Um, so, so story. So have you, ever, have you ever had a situation or a story go so bad and get so sideways and you never saw it coming? Right? Okay, so we all have. All right, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you my story. Uh, so when I was in college, I decided to completely ignore wisdom from what everybody told me, my friends and my parents, and I got a credit card. Yeah. Did not see that one coming. So I got the credit card, and it's funny because I, I was working. I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. I was working at the Cheesecake Factory. All right, so love that place. And I was, I was making, you know, some really good money serving. And, and, uh, and uh, so my parents, I owed them money on my car. And they were just so impressed because I was literally taking all my money I made and just paying off the car. And they're like, wow, you're doing so great. And little did they know I had a little credit card that I was uh, living off of. So fast forward eight to ten months later and $4,000 of debt. A mildly aggressive trip to Italy right, and a Furby. That's pretty much all I had to show for it. Like, did you really have a Furby? No. no. Pastor Trey paid me 20 bucks to tell you guys that. But I did have some old Beanie Babies. What up? Um, but anyway, so that's what happened with me. But so I got to this point where it was, okay, how did I, how did I get here? $4,000. What happened? How did this all start? Right? So here's where it started. So as I was working in the restaurant, I saw an American Express, Express black card. Has anybody ever seen those? Okay, I don't know if you know the story about American Express black cards. They're awesome. They're black, okay, and they are metal, all right, and it's great. Uh, and, um, and you have to spend about half a million dollars a year to get one, all right? So I said to myself, I'm like, I want an American Express black card. I deserve an American Express black card. So I went and applied, and I got rejected for American Express black card because there's no way that I'd be able to spend half a million dollars a year. If that was the case, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Um, but anyway, so I did get a regular American Express card, and that's where the story spiraled out of control. But as I dug deeper into it, I realized it started with what I saw, right? And then after I saw it, I then willed it, and it became my will, and then I wanted to do it, and there's nothing that anybody could tell me to keep me from doing it. Hello. Hello. So as we go through this series, we're going to be, we're going to be we're starting a new series, and we're going to be talking about how the enemy comes in and takes those situations and takes control. So in life, we go through things and we make decisions. So my goal is for you guys to be able to understand how we make decisions and what the Lord says about it. So here is the big idea, and it's a little bit aggressive, and it's going to be our big idea over the next couple weeks. It is there is an enemy after us. Because 
we are made in God's image. And we, in Jesus, are able to overcome. So turn to your Bibles real quick if you have them. If not, look real up. We're going to pull this verse up. It's 1 John 2, 15, verse 17. We're going to be talking through this scripture over the next couple weeks. Let it sink in what I'm about to tell you. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let's break this down real quick for you. All right, when John says, do not love this world, he means the devil. He means Satan, right? So do not love this world, Satan, or the things that it offers you. For when you love this world, Satan, you do not have the love of the Father in you. The Bible is very crystal clear that the prince over this world is Satan. And that's what John means by this. And when he goes a little deeper, he says, for the world, Satan offers a craving for physical pleasure. We're going to call that lust of the flesh. A craving for everything that we see, we're going to call that lust of the eyes. And pride in our achievements and possessions, we're going to call that the pride of life. So those are the next three uh, messages that we have for you guys over the next three weeks. But as we go through this, I want to tell you something. You're probably thinking, well, well Pastor Jeremy, is there a story? Is there something that we can use to confirm that or that, that we can relate to that that's what the enemy uses? And the answer is yes. And ironically, it's the very first temptation that mankind experienced. So I'm going to read it over you guys. Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat? the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. So side note, I want to tell you something that the enemy just used right there, okay? He said, did God say that you must not eat? Let me tell you what God said to them. God said to them, you are free to eat from any tree. He gave them that freedom in the very beginning, and the reason he gave them that freedom is because he wanted us to choose him. He wanted Adam and Eve to choose him, but he wanted them to have a choice. God is about free will. God is not about rules. Like the devil said right here, he is about freedom. I don't want you to eat this because what it's going to do to you. I don't want you to look at that thing because this is what it's going to do to you. I don't want you to do that because this is what it's going to do to you, and I love you. One of the biggest lies the enemy stated us in the beginning is painting a picture that God is about rules, and the truth is He's about freedom. Remember that as we continue reading. Of course, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch of it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw the tree was beautiful, lust of the eyes, and its fruit looked good for eating, lust of the flesh, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, the pride of life. So she took some fruit and she ate it, then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. In that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. 
Their lives were completely changed, and so did ours. This is heavy. So then God goes to the garden. He confronts Adam. He's walking through the garden. He can't find Adam. Adam, where are you? He came out. He said, we were hiding because we were naked. And God said, who told you that you were naked? You must have eaten from the fruit. So then Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And we've been blaming each other else ever since. So as we start this new series, we're going to talk about those three main, main temptations, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And here's the reason that we're doing this is that the more that you know who you're fighting and the lies that the enemy throws, the more you can be prepared to resist. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, so Satan will not outsmart us for we are evil, for, sorry, for we are familiar with his schemes. So that's the big picture. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be doing this. But I got to tell you a story first. You guys remember Achilles? There's a picture of him if you weren't here a couple weeks ago when I talked about Achilles. All right, you're like, oh, you're talking about Achilles again. You guys don't understand. This is a stupid dog that drives me crazy. All right, and I'm pretty sure, I know you love me, you don't know him, okay? All right, so, but he, he, he drives me crazy, and I'm sure that it's God's ju judgment for all the sin that I've done in my life because it just drives me absolutely crazy. So let me tell you a story that he did once. So we moved into our house about a year and a half ago, and it, we did not have a fence. And Abby was like, Jared, we have a dog. We have two kids. We got to have a fence. And so I caved because she's right and I'm wrong, as we all know. Uh, and, uh, and so I got a fence. I won't tell you how much it cost, but it cost several thousands of dollars. All right? So uh, we got the fence done. And there was one night that I had Achilles out, um, and I heard him barking in the backyard. And then all of a sudden, the barking started getting further and further away. And then I realized, oh, this pup's not in the backyard. He's gone, all right? He saw something, and he went, and he escaped somehow. So I went to go find him. He was killing something in the bushes. You don't want to know about it. It's another story. So I pull him out. I bring him home, and Abby's like, okay, we don't know how he got out, so we need to just you know, make sure he doesn't get outside anymore. So I'm like, okay, good idea. Not a good idea because it's Achilles. And he gets out no matter what you do. So he got out a second time, right? So get this, dog gets out a second time. Abby jumps on it this time and says, no, I'm going after him. So she's chasing him in the backyard. They're running towards the fence. And he's like, she's like, Jer, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. Oh, and he leaped over the fence like a gazelle, and she's like, I don't got him, Jer. I don't. Got he just jumped the fence. So I started cracking up laughing because I was like, uh, this is hysterical. And she's like, why are you laughing? And I said, because you get mad at me because I'm the spender in the family. But we just spent such and such dollars on a fence. And it doesn't even work. True story. That's what happened. It doesn't even work. But here's the point with Achilles, right? What Achilles saw, when he saw, he was going for it. He was going crazy for it, and there's nothing that we can do to stop him. Here's a question for you. How many times in our life do we put fences in place in order to avoid our eyes taking us places we don't want to go, and they don't even work? Let me say that one more time. How many times in our life do we put fences in place in order to avoid our eyes taking us places we don't want to go and they don't even work? From the eyes start the path to sin and it's a downward spiral after that. Jesus says right here, check out this verse, Matthew 6, 
22. He says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Basically, what Jesus is saying here is what comes in and how we analyze it is the trick. And that's the biggest thing I want you to take away tonight is what comes in my eye. We cannot control everything that we see all the time, right? There's a lot of times that there's things that happen in life that we see that we, we're not intended to see, but we see them anyway. And the trick is, is that we have to analyze it the right way. And the biggest thing I want you to take away tonight is how we do that. You see, when we see things and we don't have in mind what the enemy is doing, we take it to the next step and we start to think about it. And then when we start to think about it and we don't have in mind what the enemy is doing, then we make it our will. And when we make it our will, the enemy has it. That's what lust means. Lust means desire. You see it and you desire it. So there's a story, there's a story in the Bible that I want to just tell you guys real quick. I'm not going to read it to you because there's a lot of Bible talking that I'm talking about tonight. And, and the truth, the reason it is, guys, is because this is all over God's word because he loves us and he wants to protect us from this. And there's truth in this. So there's a story of Lot and Abraham. How many of you guys know Abraham? Right? Abraham, Father Abraham, okay? If you don't know it, read it. It's a great story. It's a story that it starts the path of, of redemption in our lives. And anyway, so Abraham, so Abraham left his home country and followed God, right? So, so then uh, when, he, when he went and followed God, he took his nephew with him, Lot, and God blessed them, and they got all these animals, and they started getting wealthy and wealthy. You see, in the old days, when you had animals and livestock, that was a signal of wealth and blessing. So they kept on getting all these animals and livestock, and uh, eventually got too, too big of a family, and they started to argue amongst each other. So, so then Abraham tells Lot, he says, hey, Lot, I don't, I don't want any discord between you. I, don't want, us, I want us to get along. I'm going to go this way with my livestock. You're going to go this way, and let's just call it even. And so Lot looked down, he looked, and he saw the well-watered plains of Jordan, which was right where Sodom and Gomorrah was. So Sodom and Gomorrah was the most evil place in the world. In fact, it was so evil, the, 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 the prophet Joel says that, that it was so evil that not anybody cared at all for the poor, destitute, and helpless. And that's why God wanted to destroy it. So Lot saw it, he went there, all right, and then he starts getting closer and closer to evil. He gets closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah, and then soon he moves in the town, and then he even actually becomes the neighbor, the, uh, the mayor, right? Doesn't that kind of sound like our story that we have? It just, it just keeps leading us down that path, and we get deeper and deeper and deeper with it. So eventually God decides to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they're so evil, and uh, Abraham pleads with God, please, you know, rescue Lot. So God sends angels and gets Lot out of there. And when he's getting Lot and his family, he tells them, do not look back at the city when it's being destroyed. So as they were leaving the city, Lot and his family were leaving. And his wife loved Sodom and Gomorrah so much that she turned around and she looked back. And she turned to a pillar of salt. 
You see, from the eyes starts the path to sin and to death. So I'm going to liven this up a little bit. You're like, please, this is a lot of information. I'm going to bring my wife up, Abby. Let's give Abby a hand. Abby, come on up. So I want to tell you guys. I uh, know yeah, she's beautiful. She's awesome. Hi. Uh, what up? What up? Is it on? Oh, yeah. Awesome. You're here. Yay. So I want to tell you guys, this is I, every single one of us struggle with this with the eyes. All right. I struggle with this with the eyes. This this story was originally written for me. It had to have because I had to learn these things. And I want to let you know it's okay. We're all in this together. Right. But I want to share a story with you to what happens when we don't get control of this. Okay? So I'm going to read about Proverbs chapter 7. Solomon writes this to his son, and it's about an immoral woman. And the, and the issue here is not that it's about a woman, guys. The issue is that it's immorality. And that's the example that he's using. Not because it's a woman, but because there's a spirit of immorality in this, and it leads us somewhere that we don't want to go. So I'm going to read it real quick, then Abby's going to talk. So right here, you can read it with me, Proverbs 6, I'm sorry, Proverbs 7, 6 through 10. Solomon says, when I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was, uh, he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. So guys, I want to just quickly pause here. This is for guys and girls both. Be aware of how you present yourself. Be aware. So as we continue to read, she seizes him. In verse 13, she seizes him and she kisses him. Pause. All right? Big pause. Let's get this straight. All right? This, this girl, she's dressed, right? She's looking good, probably, right? And he, now I'm not saying this girl is you, babe. I just like, to clarify oh that. Anybody have a place to stay tonight? I might need it, so. I'm kidding. But no, anyway, so she, so she, uh, so anyway, she's seductively dressed. She grabs him and she kisses him, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that doesn't happen in real life, right? That doesn't happen. Maybe, Reese, maybe it happens for you, bro. I know you're a good-looking guy, bro, but it does not happen for the rest of us. All right? Guys, when it's too good to be true, when it's a shock like that, it's time to pause and realize that that's a trick of the enemy. If it looks too good to be true, run. That's not how it works. Verse 14. She says, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. Guys, what she's saying is, hey, it's okay. I went to church today. Everything's going to be all right. I prayed for us. We'll just be forgiven. It's all right. Sound familiar? Sound like something that we do? Verse 18, she says, come, let us drink our love until morning. Let us delight ourselves, for my husband is not home. He has gone away on a long journey. Guys, what she's saying here, what the spirit of immorality is saying here is, you won't get caught. It's okay. Guys, be sure your sins will find you out. In fact, Solomon says later on in another verse, he says, never, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give up, and God will show mercy to you. 
We're almost done here. So Proverbs seven twenty one. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him to flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost his life. Friends, this is what happens when we don't control where our eyes go and what happens after that is it leads to death. Maybe not physical death, but maybe death of a relationship, right? Maybe death of a parent. Maybe death in your relationship with the Lord, but time out, we know the end story of Jesus, right? So as I transition this over to to Abby, I want to say this real quick, what Pastor Greg says. He says, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. So, babe, how does, uh, how does that tie into your story? <laughs> Yay, I love being up here. I'm not nervous at all. Okay, um, so tonight I'm going to be talking about modesty, which so, like, sounds like rules, sounds like control. Um, but it's really funny. Jeremy actually kind of said exactly what I was going to say earlier. He was talking about um, how God and Jesus, is, they're not, they're not um, about rules. Jesus is all about freedom. Can I, am I holding this? Is it good? Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't do this all the time. He's pretty awesome at it. Um, Jesus is about respect, respecting ourselves, respecting others, respecting him. Um, so I want to just tell you this quote really fast before I j- dive into this. Um, Modesty is gratefully using what we have to live and act in such a way that God alone is glorified and objectified. So I want to share a picture with you um, of me when I was a little girl. Um, <laughs> silly, but I, um, the reason I'm sharing it is because this picture to me just conveys freedom. Um, I was fully myself. I had no idea what anyone else thought of me, um, didn't care. I was a free child of God, 100%. Um, literally so nerdy. I, um, I would Pretend I was a horse till I was like 12. I just don't even, you know, no shame. Just what kind of horse? Uh, I don't know. Thoroughbred, probably. I really liked horses. So, anyways, just total nerd, but didn't know it. Didn't care. Fully confident in who I was, in my abilities. Um, never wavering in that. Um, it didn't stay that way though, and that's something to touch on really fast. Is that the cool thing is. If we stray, which I did, um, uh, sorry, Um, if we stray, the cool thing is God is always on a relentless pursuit, as Pastor Jeremy has said, um, to follow us, to, to make things right in our life. And as I grow in Christ, as I get closer to him, as I realize who I am in him, I'm going back to being a little child again. I'm, 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 I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm not, you know, I'm nerdy and weird and awkward and don't care. So it's just, that's cool. It's so cool to just get, be who he's called us to be. Um, you guys can get a hand for that, by the way. Being nerdy is awesome. Yeah. All right. It's pure. It's great. 
So anyways, a um, little bit of my story. So I grew up in a small town, really controlled um, environment. My parents were wonderful and we were God-following family, but just there was a lot of control to protect. Um, and as I grew up, I was like, get me out of here. I want to make my own rules. I want to do my own thing. Um, but yet I had no confidence in who I was, in my abilities. Um, you know, done decent in school, done decent in um, in sports, but I was always kind of second best. Um, I didn't know um, who I was. And um, then I started to realize, oh, I'm getting attention for my looks. I'm getting attention for what I wear. Um, I'm getting noticed. And man, it, it fuels me. It feels good to, to be liked in this way. Um, and I began to just continue to dress like that, to dress less and to, to seek that attention because I literally had nothing without it. I, I, um, I had no confidence without it. Um, so graduated high school, was like, I'm moving to West Palm Beach. It's awesome there. And I planned to be a model. I was dead set. That was my plan. I was going to be the best. I was going to be, you know, trying my hardest at it, everything like that, because that false confidence was there only through, like, what I looked like. Um, I had no self-esteem. I had low self-worth, um, very little confidence. Um, continued to struggle with an eating disorder that began in high school. And um, here I was receiving this false confidence and, and thriving on it and, and, and needed it. Um, but God was there all along. He was protecting me. He kept me from, like, there were times where in modeling they'd say, oh, you don't really have the look. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Am I not good enough? Whatever. And I know now looking back, the Lord kept me safe. He didn't allow me to become this great model or whatever. I did modeling, but it wasn't to a certain extent because he just protected me. Um, the point is, I felt as if I just had to have the approval of others in this way in order to be worth something. And that's just so wrong because in his eyes, I'm his child. I'm, I'm, I'm worth everything to him. Um, he knew the affirmation I needed could only come from him. And looking back, I'm like, really, you wore that? That's crazy. You know, like it just, I didn't get it. I had no clue what I was doing to the minds and eyes of others. I had no idea what I was doing to myself. I was sharing myself with the world when God had created me for his glory alone and to proclaim his glory to this world. Um, my eyes were open to the lust of the world and he waited. He showed me I was good enough because he says I am, but why? would I put him through that? Why would I put my heavenly father, my loving God, through this pain to watch me fail all these times? And he still waited. His wonderful creation was glorifying herself instead of him. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's plan God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
God's perfect will for me was not to flaunt myself for his glory, but be transformed into his unique creation, which takes place when we seek him to change the way that we think, to repent, to begin to think like him. If I submit to the world's ways, I place others before God. But if I submit to the ways of my Father, my life will be fulfilled. He's calling us to be separate. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He created us from dust. We are wonderfully made. When a woman veils her body in modest clothing, she's not hiding herself from men. On the contrary, she's revealing her dignity to them. And dignity is respect, self-respect, respect of God. We don't have the right to expose our bodies just because we want to and we feel entitled to. They're not ours. They're Christ, created as a vessel for his Holy Spirit, for his purposes. So, do we respect God? Do we respect ourselves? Let's honor the Lord with our bodies, with our dress. And I want to end with this psalm. I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave, when I come back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? No. To be out of your sight. If I climb up to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far east, western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, he even sees me in the dark. He saw me in my darkness. At night, I'm immersed in the light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. And I just lost my place. You shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing to something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life prepared before I'd even lived one day. Investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. That's awesome. Sorry, that was long. That was long. That was really good. That was long. Wow. So, Pastor Jer, you, you've painted this picture for us and we get it. We're going to see things that we can't control. We know that we have to analyze it right, but how do we do it? Well, let me tell you what the Word of God says. The very first thing it says is to repent. Right? 
So repentance, if you don't know what this means, it means that you're going one direction this way and you decide to completely turn around and go the opposite direction. You have a change of mind. Change your mind about what you see and realize that it sometimes can be a lie from the enemy. The second thing is ask for wisdom. See, Solomon wrote this story to his son because he loved him. And he said to him in the very beginning of the chapter, which I did not read, he said, my son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep it as an apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on your heart. Guys, don't forget this. Repent. Ask for wisdom. God gives us wisdom and he gives it to us freely. The last thing is this and it's completely free, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in the very beginning, he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So back in old days, lamps, they would run off of oil, right? And the Holy Spirit is a symbol movement in the Bible as oil. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will remember what to do and you will be saved. You'll be saved from these hard times in life by your own decisions that you make. So Jesus tells us the story of 10 virgins, right? And the story is a picture of us, the bride of Christ. These 10 virgins went out with 10 lamps. And they were there waiting for the groom, which was Jesus and five of the virgins, their, their lamps ran out of oil. They did not have the Holy Spirit. So they went away back to their house, and they quickly went back out. And by the time that happened, the groom had already taken the other five, and it was gone. They missed out their opportunity for freedom. Do not, do not miss out on this opportunity for freedom. The fence. You don't need the fence. You need to be filled with the presence of God. Come stand up. We're going to come worship together. So as we sing this song, I want to let you know that Abby and I are going to be right over there. And if anybody wants prayer, somebody to talk to, we're here for you. Guys, we firmly, firmly believe that God is on a relentless path to take what is broken in your life and to make it right. Let's worship.